0: Okay, so how do you guys think video games have made players disrespect NPCs? Where to start? I think
1: that uh, if you look at like any like GTA gameplay, Grand Theft Auto, that is. Oh. Uh, you can just walk around <laughs> and just slap like any person walking down the street, and then as soon as you know you get those stars, like warning that the police are going to come, you just run away. And just wait for things to
0: cool down. Wait, you don't turn yourself in. That... Oh my! No, God. I've been playing yeah, GTA yeah. wrong. Oh no! Oh no! no you murder somebody
2: game. in GTA and you just get fined like two hundred bucks and you're fine.
0: <laughs> it's like LA.
2: No, I, I think that there's there's certain games that have quality NPCs that you care about, but by and large they don't matter and they're not going to impact your life if you mistreat them. There's just no consequences.
0: Do you think that's bled into D and D? Absolutely really yeah in world of
2: warcraft you just click on a quest and you click accept and you move on and you never have to interact with them they're not even close to people they might as well be signposts oh
0: that's so sad
1: (laughs) yeah and then everyone just kind of turns into murder hobos and they just kind of run around taking whatever's in everyone's pockets Ugh.
0: and yeah have you have you guys seen that meme of it's like that guy holding a sandwich and he's just like looking over like worried and i think on the top it says like when you see the character quicksave and then draw his sword. <laughs> oh no.
2: <laughs> Welcome to Vox Arcana. I'm William. I'm Jake. And I'm David. And this is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Episode 5, Non-Player Characters. Jake, David, I have a question. Okay. What oh, is an NPC? For the people who don't know what we're talking about.
0: Well, uh, an NPC is a non-player character. Mm. Check, please. <laughs>
2: and that's the oh. episode, folks. <laughs> All right, we're we're done Let's wrap-up. <laughs> the way I explain it to people when they ask me is that in D&D and other tabletop games, players control one player. And the DM is the puppeteer and the computer behind the scenes for everything else so the npc or in this case puppets
0: yeah i mean i think one of the things that drew me to be a dm in the first place was uh, i could choose to be a player where i got one character or i could be the dungeon master game master and get all the other players So just giving me that creative freedom uh, and be able to role play as all these different characters is kind of the main thing that made me want to be a dungeon master, you know, to be this ridiculous, you know, Scottish orc uh, or like some, uh, you know, tiny gnome, uh, you know, just all these ridiculous little little characters. Like that's what drew me to want to be the DM and not be pinned down <laughs> to one solitary fighter you know
2: (laughs) i think the dm controls a lot of roles in the game but npcs are the ones that the players see the most so although you're guiding the plot or not in some cases uh, and you're designing the world npcs are front and center
0: yeah i think you know that's that's the npcs are what players remember the most because i mean they're the face of your world like they're the things that are uh, guiding you, they're the things that are giving you information about the world um, I mean that kind of leads us into what what's the point of NPCs in games, like what do what are NPCs for, and I mean there's a myriad of things, but what are some things
1: I think general story mm-hmm. in terms of they help you give the characters direction and they help you make sense of the world in a way that's relatable in terms of other people that you can interact with
2: Mm -hmm. makes it feel more alive yeah alive is just the exact right word for this
0: Mm -hmm. i always find them useful as kind of uh dungeon master mouthpieces um where you know if they're attacking an enemy that is way too strong that could wipe them you know it's great to have an NPC go oh you might not want to go over there that thing looks pretty strong you know like just like (laughs) having uh a lot of times i will um have kind of a, a party NPC um, that, you know, normally is high charisma um, and is with the players um, that I can kind of control one character in the party. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: So I can do a variety of things like bail them out when they get in trouble um, or talk them out of situations that they weren't expecting or just kind of have that safety net of an NPC that can do certain <laughs> things. Um that's that's why I find it really helpful to have at least one in the party.
2: Uh, I have two points on that. The first is, <laughs> yes, I love that. But you have to be cautious to not include what's called a DMPC, and that is this Mary oh, Sue, yeah. very powerful yes. character. Uh, some, some let's call them lesser experienced GMs, will try to <laughs> play in the party by making their perfect character that's just kind of like a god, and the players follow them around. What What mm-hmm. I like, and what I think you like too, Jake, is... To have an interesting NPC that's within the party, but who is also supremely weak or disadvantageous oh, in yeah. some way. Uh, I, <laughs> I had a character that followed the players around, or rather they they demanded that this NPC follow them around <laughs> for the entire game. And they had the stats of a bandit, like a CR one half, I think, bandit. <laughs> they never improved, they never leveled up, um, but their contribution to the party was not combat stats. It was just kind of a silly characterization um comedy that, that the players loved. Mm-hmm. I think
0: the, the thing that made me realize this, like I I'm I, I know that I, I especially when I first started DMing, uh I tended to rely on um letting like like having a character in the party uh that that could help them and guide them. Uh, but the one thing mm-hmm. that made me realize how much I do rely on that is uh currently my players are going through uh the Tomb of Annihilation uh 5e campaign and uh they trudged into the jungle without a guide um and i had practiced (laughs) all the accents for the guides i had them all ready to pick one um and, and then they didn't have one and so like i i was expecting to have an npc with them to be like uh, oh, you don't want to go in there. That's crazy. You know, or just like like something to keep
2: them Was that them an Irish-African from... character? <laughs> <laughs> that's what it sounded like. <laughs>
0: no, but oh, we can we can talk a lot about accents um, and how players react to them, but I, I've been trying to do a good African accent for many of them. Uh, but it, it made me realize how much I do rely on that and how much the players are... I think they realize it too. If they don't have an NPC with them, they are truly and totally... Alone in the wilderness, (laughs) Hmm. Um, which actually made it really enjoyable because it's the first time that there wasn't really an NPC with them. And they just were like making very tough decisions in a very harsh environment without any sort of Dungeon Master mouthpiece in the game.
2: Was that new for you to run a game without that tool?
0: Yeah, because most I mean, my players know I'm very roleplay heavy. I'm very, you know, I'll have combat encounters, but I'll have just as many. Um, role-play encounters where they have to, you know, pass charisma checks and talk their way out mm. of situations. So they're used to having, you know, NPCs with them that are either being escorted or, you know, just high charisma, you know, thieves or or mercenaries that will kind of talk with them, interact with them, um, you know, sit around a campfire and tell how their wife died, uh, you know, all, all sorts of stuff like that. So they really noticed it too when they went to the jungle without a guide. They're like, oh... There, you know, there's no nothing to hold on to. It's just like we are in an open, open world. So, so I think it's it it challenged me um, to be a dungeon master that can reveal the world without having a uh, NPC to guide them along or give them huh. hints or give anything. They were in a truly open world, and I think that fits really well for Chult, especially in that wilderness.
2: So I have a I could see that I have a kind of controversial point of view on this, uh, based on what you said, okay. I think that the world that the players are in, you can treat it like an NPC and the fact that it is giving information and it is, oh, true. yeah, there's <clears> a, a kind of discipline I've been trying to bring to my games. And that is one of forecasting information. So when I was starting as a DM and actually recently I did this and, and I knew better. And so it actually kind of bothered me. Um, let's say they're going to f- to hunt a Medusa and you have them find statues of, of people and other animals, like, v- pretty far out from it. So they have some kind of foreknowledge that this, is, this situation is happening. Uh-huh. And so if they choose to go into that cave then and they fight a Medusa, yeah. it was their fault. What's not okay is they're just walking through the woods and suddenly a Medusa attacks them because <laughs> they have no choice on it. Yeah. Yeah. And so what you're saying, it sounds like, Jake, is you have kind of had to have the environment lead and guide and... and inform them of what's happening without literally a mouthpiece
0: absolutely like i've had to explain a part of the jungle in such a foreboding way that they're wary to go in as opposed to having a guide who goes oh no we do not want to go in there that is too dangerous you know like Mm -hmm. i you actually have to explain the environment in a way that is scary enough to keep them out of there because as a dm you know they're going to be screwed if they go in so it, mm-hmm. I love the idea of treating the environment as an NPC because it takes a lot mm-hmm. more creativity, but you definitely can.
1: Yeah, I think it brings in – I think uh, you guys have been talking about a great point on how you can lead characters, your like your players, through an environment um, without necessarily forcing them mm-hmm. or it's just kind of like a guide. So like the NPCs are – almost the guides to your story and if players get off track you can kind of use those characters that you have invested in their party to be like hey maybe you should be checking this other object out instead of wandering around in this (laughs) tomb that's kind of empty yeah and i know for a lot of new dms that's one of the hardest things to do is to get players to like go through the story that they have planned and npcs are a great way of just kind of guiding players, saying like, hey, you should probably go check out this tavern. Mm -hmm.
2: Maybe there's someone that you can talk to.
0: Yeah, it it prevents dead ends uh, a lot of times. Mm -hmm. You can lead them away from dead ends that they may spend a lot of time on.
2: Yeah. As we're saying about the environment and characters, NPCs are storytelling tools. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is what is missing from a lot of video games. And that's not to lump all them together, because if you play Zelda Breath of the Wild or you play... um, What's that game on the PS4 where it's like a post-apocalyptic sci-fi? You hunt animals?
0: Oh, no. Uh, uh, Horizon Zero oh. Dawn. Horizon Zero. <laughs> that game's so great. If
2: you're, if you're playing Breath of the Wild or Horizon Zero Dawn, you see really deep NPCs and you care yeah. about them as people. But they also are what I would call a tone anchor. And what that means is that you have this world, hopefully, <laughs> this world you're trying to communicate. And the one of the only ways to show the players is to have the NPCs tell them. Look at The Last of Us, which has very few NPCs, but they're all very important. Yeah, And they have this life that they're living and they have the situations that they are in. And if the players are wandering through a big open world and there's nobody to talk to, to communicate that to them, they're going to treat it more like PUBG or uh, Fortnite, where you just kind of stomp on things and you shoot things and who cares?
0: yeah no i think that's a really good idea and i think there's little things you can do um to improve the way that npcs portray the tone i mean even little things like if you want your setting to me to be more grim i mean just have your character have his arm in a sling or maybe his arm or, or no arm at all yeah yeah, yeah. like mm. if you do that it, it's after especially after like a zombie attack or a dragon attack then you can be like oh i mean these NBCs are people and they have struggles and they uh, lose limbs. Um, Like, it's a big deal. Um, Even having little things like NBCs having a family or them mentioning their family that has been killed, um, Mm -hmm. little things like that can make uh, the... It it can anchor the tone into a a certain genre that you want it to be in. And that that doesn't have to limit it to dark. I mean, you could uh, make... You can make the tone more lighthearted um, by saying, you know, some an NPC saying, you know, oh, my son was just turned into a flamingo and took off one day. You know, just something <laughs> ridiculous like that. And mm-hmm. they're going to realize, like, okay, that the tone of this campaign is a little more absurdist. It's a little more silly. Um, so you can really direct the tone of the entire campaign, of the entire world, based on the NPCs and how they portray themselves to the characters
1: yeah i think it's a lot about not necessarily narrating what's happening but through the actions of non-playable characters through like the subtext of their actions Mm -hmm. rather than just reading off a paragraph like describing the town that you're in you can kind of see how the town is by the way that people act in it if people are kind of like hushed and kind of scurrying about like trying to avoid contact with other people you might be suspicious of what's happening rather than like people dancing through the streets for sure that's a completely different vibe yeah
2: there's a concept in writing and it's called show not tell and what that means is that you can have a paragraph saying everyone here is sad or you could just have every interaction and conversation communicate that on a personal level Mm -hmm. and it's always more meaningful and frankly um more impactful to Mm -hmm. show people that everyone is sad
0: yeah absolutely and that's hard to do because it's much it's very easy and i found myself challenged with this because when i was first to dm i would um the biggest mistake i made is i would tell the the player characters how they felt oh no i I would say like Uh oh "Oh, this makes you feel sad or this scares you or this um, fills you with awe. And the more I did that, I realized like, oh wait, I'm kind of taking control of the players' emotions. Like, I need to portray this <laughs> in such a way that they will feel that naturally without me telling them how their character feels. Mm-hmm. Uh, because as a DM, I mm-hmm. don't have yeah. I don't have the right to to uh, determine how they feel or how they react to certain things. Um, so I think that's what's made me mature most as a DM, is doing that show-not-tell and not telling the characters how they feel, but showing it and narrating it and portraying the world in such a way that they feel these things naturally as opposed to me just telling them what they feel in certain circumstances. (laughs) Hmm. So
1: in terms of making an NPC and doing it right, I guess there aren't any hard rules, but what are some guidelines that you can follow to make your characters better? Let
2: me tell you, David uh here's a technique that uh, i know i shared with jake that he said has changed his gm prep oh is it the alphabet thing (laughs) yeah i heard this on a podcast some time ago sorry that i don't remember my sources but all you do is you write the letters a to z vertically down a paper and you go go down the line from a to z and you write in a word or a name or just whatever comes to your mind that you think is enticing um and then when you're playing the game and you need to come up with the name of a tavern or um, a pet for a druid or an NPC, whatever, or town. Um, you just scratch out that name off your list. You write down what it is in the world and you have your name. And it saves so much time. Mm. And, it, and it, it seems so simple that it's almost stupid. Um, but it brings the world to life in such a way where I say the players often ask, what is the name of this person? And I'll scratch my head and say, uh, you know, his name is Harold the Herald. Right, <laughs> it's, and and it breaks the immersion because they know that he's being improvised and he's not real and he doesn't matter, and it's important to make every NPC matter.
0: Yeah, this has saved my butt so many times uh, because my players have you know they they played with me for so long um, that they like to challenge me, um, so they will you know just go to a random uh, you know the the barmaid uh, at a tavern and should be like, "What's your name?" Uh, and and then I. Before, I would just be like, My name's Salakin. Salakin. And it'd be something <laughs> that I'd come up with out of nowhere. Uh, and they would just laugh so hard because it's like they know I'm improv. Uh, one of the ways mm-hmm. that uh, I- I've seen this used is I'm a huge fan of Dan Harmon, uh, who does. Uh, he did Community, Rick and Morty, Harmon Quest. Uh, he's very bad at this. Uh, so, like, whenever. He's asked for a name of something in an improv, whatever he's doing improv, he will just make up a ridiculous name. And you can tell in Rick and Morty, like, Gazorpazorp and Glip Glops <laughs> and Bleep Bloops. Like, they're just the worst improv names ever. Um, and so my players will try to get me to say some ridiculous name like that. But since I've I've kind of instituted this in my game, the A through Z, I have right there 26 names uh, that can be applied to a various things. So, when someone asks a name, I just go down, go down the list, and within a few seconds, I have a name that sounds like it was prepared immediately, uh, sounds like <laughs> they're official, and the players care. It's not just a throwaway player named like Chagula that they just laugh at whenever they hear <laughs> I don't his know name. <laughs> Where are these names, names are coming from. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got a ton of improv names, but they are, they're weird.
2: <laughs> and it, it looks like you're consulting notes that you've prepared instead of just looking at a exactly. list of Exactly. Exactly. 100%.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think ever since instituting this, it has helped me immensely. I would recommend it to any dungeon master. Again, just 26 letters, A through Z, and just write a name for each. I mean, just A, Azora, B, uh, Bartholomew. Uh, Mm -hmm. See Clarence, just any, even the, the, and make them just varied. Um, You can even look them up in the, uh, the like race names uh, from the player's handbook or the Dungeon Master's Guide Mm -hmm. uh, and just write the names on there. But being prepared like that helps so much and it saves you uh, some ridiculous heartbreak of giving your characters an NPC named like Bloop Blop or something like that.
2: (laughs) So I would call that rule name every NPC. It's mm. a philosophy that you should apply to your game and it will be better. Yeah. Another thing I like to apply is what I call one notable thing or one cool thing. Uh, I haven't really settled on a name yet. But the point is is that you have uh, just a feature or a trait that is memorable about this NPC. You see this if you've ever read the Harry Potter books. You see it all the time where it's like, oh, this witch has a hump back or uh, one eye or walks with a limp. It's just whatever. It doesn't matter. But you remember
1: this is interesting because it kind of makes every character feel unique Mm -hmm. and not just generically improvised with a unique name. (laughs) It just kind of breathes more life into them and makes them their own entity that you can kind of have a unique interaction with that you wouldn't necessarily have with talking to someone who is, you know, right next to them.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, and it's it's really easy, too. I think that the Dungeon Master's Guide has a a, a table for it. Um, I think Xanathar's Guide has another table for Xanathar's it. Xanathar's And, yeah, there's, like, there's like a million different tables for it. And you can even make your own. Um, but just little things, like, yeah, the character's missing an eye, or the character has a stutter, um, or the character has a peg leg, uh, or the character has, like, an obvious weird pet rat. You uh, know, <laughs> just, like, like, something like that. Anything... Um, that gives them kind of one thing that sticks out. One thing that your player characters, because oftentimes they won't remember the names of NPCs as much right. as it pains Dungeon Masters to be like, no, his name is Zamora. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, uh, it's nice to have some feature that no matter what, uh, your your player characters in your party will be able to be like, oh yeah, wasn't that that uh, you know, one-eyed uh, green dragonborn? You know, or something like that, where they'll be able to be like, oh, yeah, that was that uh, that weird elf with the Scottish accent. Uh, <laughs> you know, just like they'll, they'll know them by that one feature. So I think, yeah, every NPC yeah. should have at least one, oftentimes multiple, but at least one thing that sets them apart from just like a normal human farmer.
2: Well met. <laughs> I'm the same as that other guy, but now my hair is yellow.
0: Yeah. Gloop glop. So, what are some of your favorite uh, one? Just like we could give some examples of just some one uh, word things or just some one phrase things that bring uh, NPCs to life. What are some of you guys have?
1: All right. So, any type of scar, it could be on their arm, Mm -hmm. their face, anything that would signify a battle that they were in, and maybe the type of creature that caused it would be a notable just thing that you can add. Mm So it looks like claw marks across someone's face. Like that's, that brings life. You know that they are a fighter of some type or they were in at least one battle. Oh, I really like that. From there, it's, yeah, there are a lot of, they could be missing an eye. I think I like missing limbs is like really interesting. Like missing a hand or missing a few fingers could be like maybe in a town they have a, like a local law of like any thief like loses their hand. So like maybe they were a thief and that's why they lost their hand or things like that. This is
2: a really cool point, David, uh, because I feel like you're using the the NPC development to build the world Mm because you have Mm -hmm. a guy with, uh, you know, a missing eye and a scratch across his face. He says that was the the mountain bear Misha who took me down when I was 35. Right. And now you know that there's a bear named Misha up in the mountains Mm -hmm. or a war that happened, whatever. Like it's all kind of serving the purpose of Mm -hmm. world building. I love that. I haven't thought of that before.
0: Mm hmm. So for me, my players in my at my table, they normally recognize NPCs based on their accent. Um, I'm a huge fan of different accents and dialects. And because of that, I try to give them a very unique um, way of speaking. Uh, I do this um, also to drive home the point that I think player characters should have a unique accent. Um, it doesn't even have to be an accent, just a Hmm. different way of speaking. Um, so with new player characters that we're creating, I'll always say, okay, how do they sound and how is it different than your normal speaking voice? Um, because I want to be able to differentiate table talk from the characters talking. Um, I want the care That's really good. I want the player and the character to have different ways of speaking so I can Mm -hmm. tell who's speaking. Um, Because if you have a character who's, let's say, I'm a human wizard, um, and my dialect is this. Hello, I'm a human wizard.
2: That is, there's no way to differentiate.
0: But if you say, I'm a human wizard, uh, and that's what my character is, and your character goes, Hello there, I'm a human wizard, and I have my spell book right here, and this is how I sound. You know, it's just different. Um, and a lot of people get scared. They're like, "Oh, I can't do a good British accent." You know, I, I don't, I don't want to. Even little things like adding a stutter to your character, um, or make most of my car- most of my players make their characters um, just have deeper, gruffer voices. Um, so you'd be like, "Yeah, I'm a tiefling fighter." You know, I have a question.
2: <laughs> what is with British accents being the default exotic accent?
0: It's medieval. Um, We, uh, especially Mm -hmm. Tolkien, uh, all medieval fiction um, for America, for the United States, uh, is funneled through Britain. Um, You know, the United States didn't have a medieval era. Um, You know, back then, uh, the Aztecs, they were in charge over here, so there wasn't really a medieval uh, era here. The medieval era was happening in Europe, um, and we are a generally English-speaking nation. So all of the medieval time period has been funneled through England and D&D takes place in a fantasy setting which is traditionally more medieval, uh, more uh, Dark dark Ages sort of timeline. So because of that, most NPCs, especially in video games and pop culture and fantasy settings, have had a British accent and that's bled into it. And I think that's, for me, that like, that a lot of my NPCs have... Some degree of British accent, whether it's like a, a, a posh accent or like a, you know, disgusting chimney sweep accent oh. uh, or just like a guttural Londoner slaying accent. British accents are uh, pretty, pretty common. I feel um, that
2: French accents are underrepresented, especially French peasantry.
0: Oh, yeah. it's It's kind of hard to do,
1: though, because the British accent is so predominant mm-hmm. in our just culture. It's... It just seems weird, yeah, and it, I don't know, it, personally.
0: Accents play with the expectations of the characters. So if you have someone comes and be like, Hello there, what are you doing over there? Your characters are going to be like, Okay, that's a peasant. They're poor. <laughs> I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> They're, like, they are probably are dirty. Um, you can smell them through the accent. You know, like, that's what you get from oh, that true. accent. Um, but if you say, Hello there, what are you doing here? You know, they think, okay, that might be nobility. Mm, that might true. be um, someone who has power over me. They're, I imagine them probably talking down, looking down their nose at me. Um, and so you play with the perceptions of accents. You know, if you come in, and like, like I was doing my African true. or my Chultan accent before, it's like, oh, what do you see over there? What is going on? They think, okay, that person is exotic, that person is from a or foreign tribal. land, yeah, maybe tribal, um, and those are just, you You have to play with these conceptions um, that people have. Uh, like, for me in my game, the main French accent I use uh, is for this really flamboyant tailor, um, and it just fits that person, because it's just like a snobby French fashionista Um, and it it fits that character. So it's the art of matching the perceptions to the NPC and also playing with that, you know, not forcing tropes, um, but just playing with expectations of the players.
2: What I would call it is it's almost like Disney tropes where Mm. they are just a little exaggerated. Um, imagine Sebastian the crab with his deep Jamaican accent voiced by a white guy, right? It's very interesting.
1: Mm -hmm. I think one of the other interesting things that accents can do is they help you, play as a character so not only do they help the players listen to your perception of who the character is but it can help you inform how you would play that character so if you're playing a just a grimy goblin just hobbling around it's it kind of tells you how you would the actions that you would do as that goblin Mm -hmm. if that makes sense absolutely and it, it just It helps you differentiate between like you being a normal person, just playing just a game versus this like putting on a character.
0: Yeah, and it helps so much with just the players being able to differentiate when Mm. the dungeon master is giving a narrative, Um, you know, explaining what a babbling brook looks like uh, in the valley that you entered. That's got to be different than when he meets the hobgoblin warlord that's there. He's got to sound different than the dungeon master who's explaining. Um, And it's Mm -hmm. very important to have that or else the players will be confused at when the DM is talking as a DM and when, you know, the DM is controlling an NPC. Um, I think voice acting is, like, incredibly important. And I think it's easier than people think. A lot of people are like, I can't do an Australian accent or, you know, I can't do some of these ridiculous accents. Even changing your voice a little bit, like I said, a stutter... Uh, a deeper voice, a higher voice. Those are all easy, easy ways to differentiate uh, when the character is talking versus when you are talking at the table.
1: Yeah, it's not about the quality of the accent. It's more of just doing one. Mm -hmm.
2: One interesting thing that I would say as encouragement to people who don't think they can do voices is that doing a bad accent is just as memorable as doing a good one. (laughs) Yeah. For example... um, I'm a big fan of DVD commentaries, or at least I was back when I had time. Um, and on the commentary for Futurama, which if you haven't seen it, you probably should, um, one of the voice actors explained that the voice he created for the robot double character is a is his bad impression of the dad slash Captain Hook from the Peter Pan animated movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's just a bad impression, but yeah. it's, it's different enough and it's memorable enough to it be thing. It becomes its, own, its thing. own
0: thing. Yeah, that's great. So, a, a common thing that people have is their races in their worlds have specific accents. Um, mm. Do you guys mm. do that do? Uh, I, for me, me, for example, I you know the dwarves cliche, they have Scottish accents. Um, the elves tend to have kind of high minded posh accents. Um the you know, poor humans tend to have either either you know chimney sweep British accents or kind of just like grungy Southern American accents. Oh, yeah um, I think
2: it's it's hugely helpful. I ran one game where uh, there's a faction of ogres in the game, and all of them had Middle Eastern accents as as best as I can emulate. Mm-hmm. And that's not some commentary on uh, a group of people that's just trying to have a consistency across all these characters. Otherwise, like, why does this guy sound American and this guy is Middle Eastern and this guy's British? It doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah. one of, one of my favorites uh, that my players love um, is all of the tortles. Uh, in my game, uh, have pirate accents. <laughs> oh, my God. And it, it's, it's been hilarious uh, for them to interact with turtles who just all, Yar, how are you
2: doing there, matey? I was going to ask for an uh, example, but I'm glad you just went for it. Uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> There's one more tip I have to share about building quality NPCs and doing it right, and that's called the Rule of Three. The rule of three doesn't just apply to NPCs, it really applies to all kinds of interactions your character, your players have with the world. Uh, all it means is that you just group things into threes. So, um, for example, they walk into a room, they see uh, a desk and a chair and a basket and a guy standing there and whatever. Like, you can give all these details that the players won't remember because they're just going to go to the one that is the most interesting. They, they listen until they stop listening and then they go, humans remember Numbers less than three, much better. And so you only give threes, including NPCs. And what that means is that if you go into a town, sure, there's dozens or hundreds of people there, but really, you only need to really detail three. If you open up any official D&D adventure book, they have dozens of NPCs listed, and I have never been able to remember enough about them to make it compelling. You really only need three. A blacksmith, a freaking guy to sell your stuff to, I don't even know, the mayor, Tavern. Yeah, the barkeep. Bar, barkeep. And then everyone else is just improvised as needed.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I I think um, getting more specific into each of those three, what are maybe the three traits you have for each one? Because I I know for me, I have a sticky note for each NPC. um, Mm. And I will kind of place them directly on the map, like where I'm looking behind the DM screen. Um, And I know I have the name of the character... Then I have the class and race of the character. Uh, then I have mm. their accent, um, and then I have any potential quests they can give, and anything they would be eager to say to PCs when they arrived.
2: Oh, that's so good.
0: Um, th- but that's that's mm. all I really need um, for an NPC. Um, and it's funny to see like the accent column. You know, it'll be like. Um, bad uh, Steve Buscemi impersonation, (laughs) you know, or, uh, you know, something like deep guttural Scottish accent. Um, You know, I'll I'll have those written down just to remember. Um, But I feel like that's all I need is just that the name, the class, the race, the accent, and then any potential quests or highlights that they would give out in conversation. See, that's
1: interesting because I kind of do it a little differently. The way I do it is I have a, like a list of, potential people to meet in the town and i don't have like any location for them i just kind of play it by ear where the players want to go so let's say there's a this type of quest i might assign it to this npc and then the players are like oh we want to go to the bar so this guy is now the bartender and oh. he's the one who has the quest so you oh so kind you of,
0: can improvise where they're at depending on what mm-hmm. they do that's good
1: Yeah, so it it makes it easier to give out quests if if the players wander into an unexpected area or try to want to do something else. Like, let's say they want to go to the blacksmith instead. He could have the quest. So it kind of makes it an easier way of giving out that information rather than being like, oh... They didn't go to the bartender, so they're not getting the quest. Name. No, that's
0: good. That's a way of putting the NPC where they need to be, as opposed to having them mm-hmm. locked into like a GPS coordinate location. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think it's really important to be prepared um, with NPCs. Um, even like Will said, only if it's, even if it's just three, um, it's good to have some. Rather than nothing. Um, I think planning with D&D in general, just the philosophy of planning, should be plan a little bit, uh, but don't plan a ton. You know, don't pour a ton of time. Um, I think you get diminishing returns with the amount of planning. Um, but if you're planning for your own yeah. solo fun, that's absolutely fine. I mean, do what, Do what's fun for you. Um, but with planning, I think just a little bit of planning is like essential. And I think that helps with NPCs a ton, um, by being able to have like you said that rule of three mm-hmm. um and, and like I said with uh, the you know specific name class race uh, accent potential quest and with David's flexibility um, of moving the NPCs to where the players interact with most um, all of those things together will will bring the NPCs to life um, and allow them to influence the characters, the best because the, your worst case scenario is that someone walks into a settlement and you have nothing you have nothing written down you don't have the bar name written down you don't have the blacksmith name written down you don't have any of the npcs named at that point the players will probably tell that you are just improv so much um, that it just becomes a jumble of things rather than like a planned real living breathing settlement in the campaign
2: yeah. that i'm running now um i have a lot of factions who are fighting over this big city that the players are traveling in and all i did for each faction is i wrote here's the leader here's the lieutenant and that's all that matters and then here's a list of names that you can pick from if you have to make uh-huh. up someone else and they and they depend on the race uh cuz there's a bunch of different races and that's all i needed because what more do you need to know about a faction than who's in charge And who's under them? Maybe one more person, right? Like, I guess I went with a rule of two instead of a rule of three, but Mm -hmm. the bottom line is it's really minimal prep. I know I I write down their name. I write down what they want and what they don't want and that's it. Yeah. Now I know how to role play them.
0: Yeah. No,
1: that's great. Um, One of the things I like to do is have a list of rumors slash interesting tidbits and quests. And I'll, if I have to make up an NPC on the spot, I might, you know, give them an interesting tidbit to share with the players. Mm-hmm. Like uh, they might talk about how like one of the farmer's kids was kidnapped, and that's interesting. Or they might have like, hey, my kid was kidnapped. Like, can you go get them? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can just kind of assign these on the fly to any NPC in order to get the players to just have more things to do absolutely
0: i think that i think 5e does that really good in their adventure modules they'll have mm-hmm. rumors uh, or gossip um that is uh not assigned to an npc um so david i think that's a great idea because you have these general things you know there'll be the legend of the the blue dragon hidden in the lake and that could be something that they could explore but all of these various things Um, may not be assigned to a certain NPC. They could just be vague things assigned to an area or a group of people um, that could come up as needed. I mean, it's always great, even if you don't use them, just to have rumors, gossip, um, insults, uh, just anything in your bag as ammunition um, to when the players are making small talk to just throw out there. Um, it's never, it, you always want to have too much than not enough and have to come up with somebody like uh, the, 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 the slops are attacking from the south. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be caught <laughs> in a situation <laughs> like that. It's better to have
2: uh, too much ammunition than not enough. We should do an episode on quest generation, like rapid, um, what do they say? Rapid plot point generation. Because yeah. I feel like, um, and as far as Demon goes, you have your main quest and you write maybe, let's say, three side quests on the, the bulletin board or whatever in town because you never know which quest is going to interest your players and or which ones are totally going to be blown past because they don't care. Yeah. Um, and so being able to minimally prep while also minimally investing in the communication of the quest uh, is essential to not making yourself go crazy.
0: Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's try to build our own NPC um, with just like a few, like we said, like brief um, phrases or just one word, just characteristics for an NPC. So we'll each we'll each give one word and see what this our NPC turns out like. Uh,
2: so I've been inspired by Harry Potter, so I'm going to choose the word grotesque.
0: Oh, okay, grotesque. Uh, I will, you know, I, like I said, I'm the, I'm the accent guy. I love different accents. So I'm going to say, uh, German. So grotesque German. All right, David, what's your last, last characteristic? Hmm. Stinky. Stinky. Okay. So,
2: uh, I'm going to back up a little bit because no NPC is created in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. So let's just (laughs) quick throw out some more words. Let's throw out three more words. That is the sort of state of the village that this guy lives in. Civil war. Oh yeah, that's good. It's two words, it's cheating, but I'll allow it. (laughs) I'm going to say famine. Rundown.
0: Okay. So I think that fits because this guy is grotesque and stinky um, because of the conditions of the world. And so he would be portraying that and he would be putting that as the
2: face of this world. He would be portraying that to the characters. Mm -hmm. In a way, we're really just showing the... Characters or showing the players that this is the cost of famine and this is the cost of civil war. Yeah. And the reason that he's German is maybe you have one of the factions in the civil war, you make one of the factions have German accents just to differentiate them from, let's say, their South African counterparts.
0: They came from the north and took all our food. We are all out. We are starving. That is why I am so stinky.
2: <laughs> Yours sounds like a clubbing <laughs> German who's like got a margarita in one hand. Uh, I, would, <laughs> yeah. I would do it a little more like dark and sad where he says, We couldn't get away from the war. And they came and they took my family and they took my eye. <laughs> See, already the players are just Yums. kind of recoiling. How would yeah, you do oh, it, yeah. Oh... Oof. If you want to, I'm
1: not very good at German accents, so. Um, what
2: would be an accent you would feel comfortable to do? Because I feel like this is a good um, indicator Ooh. for the average listener who might not be be as comfortable.
1: I think doing a more, I'm a, i am I would like when I first heard the word grotesque, I was imagining more of like a goblin-esque like. We've been out here for years and fighting has been civil and boorish.
2: Oh, man. <laughs> and
1: something along those lines.
2: That's great. I love is it. Is that a goblin voice?
1: <laughs> not really. David's it's... goblins are all British. They are. I feel like all <laughs> yes. of David's
2: NPCs are British. And that's not like a bad thing because then I know when an NPC is talking.
0: <laughs> True. I love it. All right, fellas. So, any, uh, any closing thoughts on NPCs?
2: I have something I want to say about the tone anchors for NPCs, okay. and that is that D&D is usually a pretty silly game. It's it's essentially uh, a bunch of inside jokes for three or four hours, right? <laughs> um, no matter how serious you make it, even if you're playing Warhammer 40,000, which is a super grim, dark game, I, I think that you have to have this levity and this uh, humor to make it palatable uh, over a long period of time. But if the GM wants to be silly and make their NPCs silly, and like you said before, my son got turned into a flamingo and flew away. Like, that's, it's very silly. Um, but it's important to have your NPCs be consistently tonal in the, in the world. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Because the game can run away and just be ridiculous. That's yeah. why um, at my table, the players know if they come up with a silly name for their character, like James Bond or Jack Sparrow or something, you know, obviously, you know, not original. I tell them they have to to pick another name because that can damage the tone of the game just right there yeah. in one decision.
1: Yeah. It's like, I'm Mr. Mr. Poop Hat, Like right? That's that's going to take away from the... Umber. Yeah, we're
0: saying, like, I'm Captain America. It's like, oh, this is a Marvel movie. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, no, I completely agree with that. Like, keeping the tone consistent. Um, like, the NPCs are the best tools that we DMs have... Um, to institute this world, to be able to portray this world to the characters. So they should be consistent and they should be interesting. Like if you have any time to plan your sessions, a lot of that time should be devoted to the NPCs of your setting because the NPCs are the face um, and they should be interesting. They should have backstories. They should be compelling um, if a character should ask, you know, how they lost their eye, they should have a story for it. Um, and I think that's a great, great way to portray your world to the characters, um, other than narrative. It's a great way to show and not tell.
2: Oh, couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah,
1: I think you should build your world around the NPCs mm-hmm. that are interesting and just go from there rather than build a world and kind of fill it with generic npc
0: absolutely it, it goes back to our world building episode uh where it was you start small uh, and a mm-hmm. great place to start is your npcs
2: and now i have water here i just i'm trying to be quiet okay in the world creation episode which if you haven't listened to it you should listen to it right after this if you spend your time making the last ten thousand years of world history for your world with an origin story ask yourself how will the players find out about this because I think that any lore you make should be communicable from an NPC to your players. Because an average mm, peasant will not yeah. know like that the god Thaddeus, you know, split the world egg from the wh- whatever. He won't. He's going to say like, "We don't like the king." And here's <laughs> yeah,
1: why. yeah. Oh, I love that. I love revealing information of the world like through character dialogue. I think that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you look in Star Wars. And you see Han Solo talk about doing the Kessel Run in, like, 12 parsecs. That's that's so interesting, like, having that, like, tidbit of information yeah. because it asks so many... You, you're asking so many more questions because like, of... Like, what's a parsec? What is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what is... Yeah, what is... Yeah, <laughs> surely didn't know. <laughs> yeah. And that's... And that's... Yeah. And I think that's... If you can get to have your players ask more questions because of an interaction with an NPC, then, like, you're doing a good job.
2: I think it's time that we move into this week's question vault. This question has me excited. It's, it's totally on topic. This week's vault question is, what are your most memorable NPCs and why? Oof! oh man. Um, so actually before this episode to be prepared, I, I
0: pulled all of my, uh, players that have ever played in any of my DD games and asking them some of their favorite NPCs. Um, mm-hmm. So one that stands out, because um, I've ran um, basically the same campaign for several groups, um, and I've done that a few times. Uh, so they all had a, a lot of things in common. The main one that they loved was a character called Chronicler. Uh, Chronicler is basically like a Warforged forged uh, character. He's kind of robotic. Um, he kind of looks like uh, the robot from Rogue One. Uh, I think K2SO, and he's just this big bronze, you know, K2SO-looking lanky robot um, that just spouts information off. Mm -hmm. Basically, how he started, his origins were um, the original party uh, didn't have very many smart characters. I don't think they had a wizard. Um, I think, you know, most of the characters were martial archetypes that were, you know, fighters and rangers. Um, and that sort of thing. So they didn't have any characters that had a good focus in history and religion and Arcana. And because they didn't, I wanted to have an NPC that could help them with those because they were rolling really bad on those. They didn't have any bonuses to those. Um, So I I created this character, Chronicler, uh, who basically could spout off facts, um, like a Wikipedia article uh, he could spout off facts about old religions or uh, the history <laughs> of areas. Uh, more, Did he you ask know, for donations arcana. every year? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, no, but his his whole goal was to glorify, like, the, the god of righteousness. Um, so he just walked around and be like, Hello there. I am a chronicler. I am trying to spread the good news. And he just sounded mm-hmm. robotic and inhuman, but they absolutely loved him. Uh, and he's been one of the fan favorites because he would just kind of march along with them, and whenever they'd get in trouble or need to be in stealth, they would just shove him in their bag of holding. Um, <laughs> oh but, my uh, god! Chronicler was their favorite because they loved me talking in that horrible smoker's accent. Um, and and he's been one of the fan favorites that you know many of the people said. Is he still in your world? Oh, absolutely. Chronicler is. uh, Yeah, he he's been a consistent part. Um, And when they find him again, you know, even if it's, you know, 100 years in the future, this rusted robot that's walking around, uh,
2: they love it. Still chronicling. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) So what what about you guys? Uh, What are some of your favorite NBCs? Let's see. For me,
1: I had a – he didn't last very long. I'll just put it that way. He was a half-orc, and he was just kind of sent in with the party to, you know, be the, the oh. like the dm voice and he would always like try to like mess around with the players like antagonistically like calling them dumb and stuff and they were in a dungeon and i wanted to show off the danger of the dungeon so there, <laughs> he, he he jumps across this gap and he's like making fun of the other players because one of them missed the jump and then he just walks forward and you just see him get sliced in half as like a shimmering blade like crosses across the room and he's just instantly killed and everyone just was like so terrified because he just instantly died so he was
2: really cocky and very strong and to see our best but also most sassy uh gmpc be slaughtered in one shot made us not want to go across (laughs) the chasm (laughs) for my uh favorite character uh, originally he wasn't my favorite but he kind of became that the idea was um i was <laughs> i mix and match a lot of rules in my in my campaigns so there was a supplement i was using that has you generate uh an npc in terms of what they're good at and then they ha- they always have a flaw the, uh so partway through the campaign we switched to 5e from this other system and i kept this character this character's name was foxy and the the idea was they were very loyal and, and diligent, but they just they were too young. Uh, this person was supposed to be like a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> and so I role-played him uh, essentially like one of the Goonies, or at least kind of a cruel approximation of one of the Goonies, where he's just <laughs> he's very excited to do everything. He doesn't really understand the level of danger he's in at any given moment, and uh, and he just wants to help. And that's the one I mentioned earlier in the episode where he just... He just always jumps in, and it, but he never levels up, and he was terrible. He did D6 damage for, I think, f- the session lasted 14 sessions, and he was uh, he was trashed from episode one. <laughs> it was very memorable, and, and I've actually rolled him into another campaign just because, even though he, I think he was killed eventually, which was very sad. I brought him back to life in the next campaign.
0: No, that's great. I, I think... Uh, some more honorable mentions for me uh I, I had a character talking about kind of a dm mouthpiece his name was harper um uh, and he was just a uh, actually going along with the 5e rules uh, i had him kind of as a prequel he was the one that founds the harpers the faction oh, um I like so it. yeah so his name Ooh. was uh, vance harper um and he was just like a little rogue who would go around speaking in his british accent he's a little cocky Uh, And everyone, uh, like, was annoyed by him at first, but then they loved him. (laughs) Uh, And I I introduced him because I guess we could have made a point about uh, NPCs sometimes filling the void um, of a part of the party that's missing. Like, uh, I I introduced Harper because he was a rogue lockpicker. And they didn't have – because he was a rogue thief and they didn't have, like, anyone who was good at lockpicking – Um, so he was kind of the guy that was with them just to pick locks and dungeons and stuff like that so um, he was a fan favorite of mine because he was really good at explaining the world in a sarcastic way um, (laughs) that the characters would kind of roll their eyes at but also get valuable information from Um, and then weirdly one that a lot of my players said they loved uh, was a character that's gone by many names he's been gone by just suit Um, he's gone by Rodney Uh, he's just a suit of armor without without a head (laughs) <laughs> uh that just was in a dungeon that they found like he was an enchanted suit of armor and he would just follow the party around saying nothing because he couldn't say anything he lacked the he <laughs> oh lacked the gosh. ability for language um and he just followed them around and they would like uh he, he could take commands but he would take every command very very literally um so it was almost like messing with the players in the form of like how a dm messes with them with the wish spell. Um, So he would take everything incredibly literally. um, And they just seemed to love him because he would give thumbs up and thumbs down for understanding. (laughs) Um, And they absolutely loved this random suit of armor um, that I had as kind of a throwaway gag in some dungeon. They just absolutely took to him. So I think DMs, when you're starting off, you'll find that uh, players will love certain NPCs that you thought were just throwaway NPCs mm-hmm. um, and oftentimes they'll just disregard the NPCs that you put most of your loving care into <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, true. Too true,
0: So the Vox Arcana theme, uh, the intro and outro music is provided by Shadru um, You can check out his music on Bandcamp. He's super cool, a chiptunes artist. Um, I definitely recommend checking out his music Vox Arcana is a proud member of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. If you want to learn more about Vox Arcana, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to see articles uh, by our resident Dungeon Master, Will, check out voxarcanapodcast.blogspot.com.
2: Thanks for listening to Vox Arcana, Episode 5. I'm William. I'm Jake. And I'm David. We'll see you next time.